Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings are from the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. My sermon is titled, What Kind of Feast Is This? You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here is just one highlight. This Wednesday, the 18th, we'll have a simple service of prayer chants and candlelight in the style of Taze. Join us at 7.30 p.m. via Zoom. And now, in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God.
Let us pray. Holy One, you bless us with your presence, and yet we find ourselves wanting. And when we miss your graces, forgive us. When we catch your image reflected in others, we offer praise. Open our hearts to be filled with your presence. Open our eyes to see your presence all around us. And now in silence, we continue our prayers to you. God's forgiveness knows no bounds. Through Jesus, the Christ, we are graced with forgiveness. Through Jesus, the Christ, we are made whole. Alleluia. Amen. Amen.
A reading from Proverbs, chapter 9, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God, we give you thanks for these ancient words. Open our hearts and minds that we might hear your word for us today. Amen. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her animals. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls from the highest places in the town. You that are simple, turn in here. To those without sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. with finest bread we from the 
Our second reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Judeans then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Humanity and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living God sent me, and I live because of God. So whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. Here ends our reading for today. The best meal I ever shared was a plain strawberry Pop-Tart at the top of a mountain. My hiking companions and I had been walking all day with only water to sustain us. This didn't seem unusual at the time. We were used to pushing our bodies for endurance. By the time we reached our campsite, a clearing next to a lake, our bodies were shaking with that cleansed feeling after a long run. Though the idea of artificially flavored, highly processed food seemed antithetical to this organic, one-with-nature moment, not to mention short of our need for real sustenance, ease of access won out. And it was magic. One of those double-check-with-your-neighbor-to-confirm-the-reality-of-it experiences. Is this really as amazing as I think it is? Like the surprise of a perfectly ripe berry, it could not have been more satisfying or more naturally unifying. After a certain level of depletion, sometimes even a pre-packaged Pop-Tart is fuel enough, and even more than enough, a mountaintop experience. We have been hiking up a mountain for a long time. Our bodies and spirits have been enduring more than we initially asked, and fatigue has set in. If we were to listen, what is it we long for. I know I long for something. What is it? 
fresh mountain air, trickling sunlight and abundance of clear lake water? Maybe. Maybe it's a place where order is restored, a prolonged state of relief from all fear. Maybe it's being able to enjoy the kind of surety of going on a picnic without a jacket, the luxury of not needing to plan for shifting winds, to be able to simply soak in the warmth of a day. An early mentor of mine was skilled in the art of listening. As a contemplative, she practiced listening to the stirrings of her heart and observing a flurry of thoughts, teaching students, her parishioners, to do the same. As an artist, she practiced listening to changing landscapes, painting peaceful golden fields, backlit by purple skies, rolling with thunder. As a chaplain, she practiced listening to places of tension. Whatever the polemical topic, she was inevitably facilitating listening circles. Being invited into dialogue was taken seriously. In a gathering of otherwise mutually dismissed people, it was an honor to be there, part of the conversation. She rarely made declarative statements of faith. So it stayed with me when, at convocation, she began her homily by telling the religiously heterogeneous gathering, I believe we all long for God. An existentialist at heart, interested in the meaning and purpose of life, I remember thinking, Is that the answer to what I've been seeking? Is that the answer to the angst that drives me? Have I been longing for God? It held enough resonance, enough mystery, enough tension to remain living in me. We imagine God is truth and love, and compassion. We imagine God is strength, and beauty, and freedom. That God is justice, and community, and healing. We imagine God is forgiveness, grace, abundance. That God is order to the chaos. In all our imaginings, our longings find a home in God. These attributes we prescribed to God are aligned with what we value. And there is some effort toward incorporating those gifts into ourselves, to becoming more understanding, more just, more loving, free, that the light of God would grow. Our ancient ancestors 
longed for fullness of life, for abundance and prosperity. Some believed the way to achieve this was through gaining wisdom, a human attribute also shared by God. In growing their wisdom, they were also communing with the wisdom of God. In Proverbs, wisdom personified builds a house and prepares a feast with an open invitation. All who partake are promised life. But a few verses later, Lady Folly is also inviting guests to dine at her table. And though this alternative seems promising, in truth, it leads to death. It's a familiar story in our tense nation. One faction of our society cries out to the other, each side hoping the other will see reason. All the pleas fall on deaf ears. And having written one another off, we're sure we're watching Lady Folly promising life only to result in death. Too afraid of slipping into mistruth, serious participation in the conversation is avoided. We hear a request to violate our own ethics, our own wisdom. The opposing positions are too horrifying to entertain. In John's Gospel, many disciples also walk away from a teaching that was too difficult to bear. Though we sometimes think of them as something different, Jesus and his disciples were Jews, raised into traditions shared by Jews. And one of those traditions included a strict prohibition against the consumption of blood. This is found throughout the Hebrew Bible in Genesis, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy with additional references made throughout the prophets. The blood and fat of an animal belonged to God, for they were the vehicles of life. They came from God and were to return to God. The only flesh that could be consumed by humans was to be drained of blood. The idea that a Jewish Jesus would direct his Jewish disciples to chew on his flesh and drink his blood is beyond belief. And in the narrative of John's gospel, the disciples couldn't do it. They stopped following Jesus because of it. While Paul and the synoptic gospel writers allow more room for symbolism and metaphor when it comes to the Eucharist, John's gospel commits to a version that is uncomfortable at best and that leaves little room for Jewish origins. Borrowing from neighboring religions was common, though much about its Christian development remains unknown, 
Scholars believe that well after the life of Jesus, John's community was intermingling and familiar with the religions of Hellenistic Gentiles, including ritual meals. In one common religious rite, human blood and wine are mixed. In the context of the meal, this mixture is no longer human, but becomes the blood of a god. And when initiates drink of it, or when they eat of the flesh of an animal with blood still freshly in it, they are drinking in the life of the god. This life remains in them, resulting in the initiate being identified with and even as that god. Assuming there was at least a healthy faction within the community of John for whom this practice was neither foreign nor offensive, it may not have been such a push to add this layer of meaning to the tradition of the Last Supper. As a people familiar with rejection by their own, perhaps they identify with the rejection known by Jesus and well acquainted with a Greek god who had become flesh and who shared a similar fate, this retelling of the meal becomes a way to receive Jesus. In the meal, they take him into themselves and in doing so are changed. His life continues to abide in them and they in him. Perhaps this is an answer to their longing after his death, true food to sustain them. Maybe like their Jewish siblings, in their own way, they were also honoring the life of God, that source of life that does not end in death, but continues to abide in and among us. Think of the interfaith dialogue that could have been had, the shared longing to commune with God, the conversations about the disturbing parts to the stories, and the sustenance they offer. I don't know whether we all long for the same thing, whether we all long for God or whether there are even enough words to say. I believe we all share the same source of life and long to be okay. Whatever it is you long for, imagine being invited to a feast where you get to be nourished by exactly that. It is given to you by God and is the true food, the true drink you needed. And now it lives in you. You get to carry it with you, its substance becoming part of you, with you, wherever you go. You are the perfect weather day. You are the gentle breeze. You are relief 
order restored, order in your body, order in your soul, order in our life together. And as you walk in the world, people recognize you with that name. You are breath come easy. It is a meal only fully appreciated after a long hike up the mountain. The kind that fills you with awe. The kind you can't help but want to share. It changes you. Changes your relationship to the unexpected, to Pop-Tarts and to the mountaintop. It changes your relationship to the challenge endured, to the people who shared in it, and to the life to come. It expands the idea of where these gifts of nourishment are found and the ability to recognize them, finally, with joy. We believe in God, who provides us with food, true food. We believe in Christ, who is the bread of heaven. We believe in Spirit, who opens us to receive these gifts of sustenance. This we believe. Amen.
Let us pray. Holy One, in a world that seems to us incredibly complex, with things hardly ever appearing the way that they actually are, we get lost in our confusion, losing our way to wisdom's paths. For this, we ask your forgiveness. Guide us, we pray, so that we may make decisions and take actions that are pleasing to you, integrated with the whole of your creation and the health of all that we share this amazing home with. Bless us, we pray, with clear vision. Strengthen us with your truth. Surround us with your love, that we may always know the way home to you. Be with us now as we bring before you our most tender prayers, voicing them silently to you. We make all of these prayers in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Go forth the perfect weather day, the gentle breeze, breath, come easy. the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. <laughs>